Well, welcome to the Faith Essentials Podcast. My name is Scott Venable. I'm the lead pastor at Northwood Church. And today we're uh, privileged and honored to be joined by a special guest, Dr. Steve Besner from Houston uh, Northwest Church. And uh, Steve, welcome to the Faith Essentials Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, Scott. I'm excited to be here. So today we're just starting a series called Who is God? And uh, it's a, an important question uh, to explore. I uh, think people through uh, really, really throughout all of history have explored this question in different ways, whether it was different ethnicities, races, and nationalities uh, have always wondered, is there a God? And if there is a God, who is this God? And uh, is there anything beyond this earthly life? Is there anything beyond our existence? And uh, so um, just wanted to explore that today with you, Steve, and, and kind of talk through uh, kind of who we believe God is and uh, and why that matters and why that's important. And uh, so, um, Appreciate you being on today. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. You know, um, you and I've talked, you know, a little bit about this, but there's a lot of confusion about this right now. I think um, culturally, we're in a you know very pluralistic moment, mm-hmm. and I think that there's all sorts of opinions and thoughts about who God is. So I think it's good for us to clarify that and uh, really understand that, particularly within the Christian tradition and how the Christian tradition compares to other traditions. And so I think it's a helpful discussion to have, particularly right now. Yeah. And so, I mean, a lot of our listeners are going to be uh, probably Christian and and connected, but there may be also others that believe in other religions, maybe uh, Islam or, uh, or mm-hmm. Jewish, or it could be agnostic or atheist, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Buddhist, Hindu, that all believe in a God or a Supreme being, or maybe no God. And uh, just exploring and w- wanting to learn, uh, well, if there is a God, who is this God that you're talking about? And so we're working off the premise that there is a God. And so we're going to be discussing who is God uh, and what do we believe and who do we believe God is? Uh, so we're working off of that uh, premise, not just discussing today, um, is there a God? We're, we're working off the premise that we believe that there is a God. And if there is a God, then who is he? And so that's kind of where we're starting today. And so, um, you know, first of all, if you were asked this question, Steve, on the street, or someone just came in and said, who is God? What would your initial response be? What would your first answer be? How would you answer that just initial question? Yeah, I think that if someone, um, well, I might I might start by saying, I think that what most people probably think of is some sort of Zeus-like mm-hmm. character seated in some sort of temple area on some kind of a throne, maybe a long white beard, something like that. But, uh, you know, the picture that the Bible gives um, is one that's an involved, loving father creator. Mm. And that is a really different sort of picture. Mm. Um, You know, the uh, I don't know exactly what direction you want to take this conversation, Scott. But, you know, whenever you read the first couple of chapters of the Bible, and you think about how God is described as very, you know, hands-on in the creating process, and that every time that he's creating something, he's giving it his stamp of approval. He's saying it is good. And then once he does that, then he uh, he creates humanity and uh, then tries to give humanity a purpose, a job, um, gives uh, the, the man, Adam, a companion that's suitable for him. Um, highly involved, highly relational, you know, very loving, uh, described as a father in different places throughout Scripture. I I just think that that is so different than what you know most people think, and really it was different than than what most people in the ancient world thought too. Yeah. You know, so that that's kind of where I would start. 
Yeah, so that paints a different picture, but it also is working off the uh, premise that then we probably cannot figure out who God is unless God reveals himself, right? right. Like, yeah. like if this yeah. is created creator that has created us and we're the created, it's really hard to know who the creator is unless the creator uh, decides to reveal uh, oneself. So let's talk a little bit about revelation. Like, how do we know who God is if you know, we can't really on our own. So it's revelation. So let's talk a little bit about revelation. How does God reveal himself? You mentioned scripture already, but what are other ways God reveals himself to reveal that he is this loving father that you described? Uh, how do we know that? Yeah, no, great, great question. Uh, the, uh, the way that theologians have historically talked about revelation is that revelation is God showing us who he is himself. So in other words, we can't find him. We can't discover him. He has to show us who he is. And we, we've talked about scripture, talked about the Bible. So the Bible is where we go um, in today's world to discover who God is. But theologians historically have used two categories. Um, one of those is general revelation. So general revelation okay. is that, um, you know, people over the years have um, had a sense there has to be a God because, for instance, wow, look at creation. Um, I, you know, I went up to the top of a mountain and I looked out and I saw you know, just the vastness of the planet and was struck by how small I am, the intricacies of the designs. You might have that experience maybe like in a biology class mm -hmm. and you recognize, how could this be accidental? Or maybe you look at the, you know, the latest pictures coming back from NASA with the, you know, the web telescope and you're like, yeah. wow, I mean, you know, just blown away. So I think that general revelation is whenever people look at stuff like that and they say, okay, there has to be a God. Um, and so I think that's why if you look at basically the history of human civilization, pretty much every human civilization has believed in some sort of deity because humanity really can't comprehend existence mm -hmm. in any kind of order without some sort of, of, of God. The other category, though, that theologians give is then specific revelation. And specific revelation is then when God says, well, I'm not just sort of generic deity, but I am going to show you who I am in um, in these specific ways. So the Bible is where uh, we go to see who God is, but the, the capstone of specific revelation would be Jesus. Mm -hmm. So um, the... The most controversial thing that Christians would say is that if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. Yeah. Uh, most people think of God having any number of character qualities. But when you look at the person of Jesus, according to the Christian tradition, the, the highest revelation that we have ever received of who God is, is Jesus. So you read the Gospels and then you go, wow, this is not really what I expected God to look like. And then when you compare that version of God up against, say, um, any other religion, honestly, then you begin to see this vision of God is is definitely different. Yeah, no, that's really that's really uh, good, and also it brings a thought of you know we have these general revelations that uh, you know just make us question even our own existence, the meaning of life. You're like, it's got to be something more than mm. than. There's no way we as humans could have put this thing together, right? <laughs> like we're so flawed and and power hungry and prideful. And so then you see all these things, you're like, man, there's gotta be a God. And then as far as us who follow 
Christianity goes, then, you know, if we believe that God is the Father and then you have the Son and then you have the Spirit, which we'll get into throughout this series of uh, Who is God podcast. But what you really look at is then when you look at Christ and you see like this really specific revelation, like we believe that God came in the mm-hmm. flesh, you know, and like God revealed himself to us as a person, that just is another mind blowing mind-blowing thing uh but if we go back a little bit to big picture uh yeah of general revelation uh it also in a specific revelation if you look at god reveals himself so this is a god he's revealing himself to us and you mentioned some things earlier about uh, a father you mentioned loving you mentioned these things uh how do we know like the character of this god or whoever this god is and uh how do we know those things yeah that's good um one of the things that i learned you know years ago in uh, seminary was that a lot of the stuff, a lot of times I'm reading the Bible, I'm missing a lot of the context because, mm. you know, I live in 2023 in the United States. I don't live in the ancient Near East, but a lot of the stories in the scriptures are particularly in um, the first five books of the Bible that are known as the Torah um, are designed to compare Yahweh the God of the Bible with other gods of the ancient hmm. world. So unpack, unpack that a little bit. That's yeah. A yeah. Point. Yeah. So like um, the, the Babylonians, for instance, they had a creation story and their creation story was that the world was born out of a battle and one God killed another God. And then that's how the earth was formed was through a cosmic war. Um, so there's a, there's several scholars and I'm, you know, uh, that would argue that the Jewish story that we have in Genesis chapters one and two is told in the way that it's told to show that instead of it being a battle, that it was a loving free choice that God made. Uh-huh. Um, so God wasn't forced to make um, the universe. God chose to, it was about bringing order out of the chaos. Um, and then there's sort of this idea that, Genesis one is sort of poetic language. And I know yeah. that, you know, uh, I'm sure people who are listening to this have heard all the arguments about how old the earth is and how to, you know, maybe, you know, figure that out from reading Genesis. But honestly, Genesis one is probably a poem, maybe yeah. a song. And if you read that and you get to the end of it and you then see that God is creating humanity in his image and then placing humans in the garden, there's this picture there of God creating um, a temple and that then the image is placed in the temple. And so you've got God making this loving place. That's a space of worship filled with his image versus a meaningless, violent space that is a result of conflict. And so just, you know, totally different picture. Um, you know, then, uh, we could talk more about this, but like, you know, Exodus is Yahweh, versus Pharaoh. Mm. And so it's just a revelation of how the the biblical vision of God is so different from the Egyptian vision of God. And that just goes on throughout the, the Bible. And I just mentioned that to say, so the character of God in each of those stories is revealed as he's shown to care. He provides. If you pray, he listens and he mm-hmm. wants to come and to take care of his people. He heals. And whenever the Israelites are lost, he gives them directions. He brings his presence. You know, a lot of the ancient pictures of gods were removed and far away. But over and over, the Bible talks about 
you know, God's presence coming and being among the people and being yeah. in the tabernacle. So I think that those are a lot of the character things that come out. Um, there may be other specific aspects you want to talk about, but those are a few that come to mind. No, that's really good. And, um, you know, it does put a stark contrast between the uh, the lowercase gods of the day and how people believed in uh, really this, the difference in really the what's really important to uh, the faith in, in the God, the Bible, um, because it is really what we call as followers of Jesus. Now the gospel or the good news, it right. really isn't uh, just with Jesus. We believe Jesus is God and it was all the way back in Genesis, the good news, because here was a God that was approachable, was with us, that loved, uh, that created uh, and everything was good. And then, you know, centered into the world, but this God didn't abandon us or leave us in this sin yet loved us in a, and still was with us, you know, uh, east of Eden, if you will, and, and throughout all of the Bible. So you see this character there. Uh, one of the characters characteristics of, of God that's probably really important to talk about is his immutability or his unchangeableness, if you will. Why is it important for us to understand that God is is, is unchanging, that he's not mutable, if you will? Yeah, I, I think that you know, sometimes people read the Bible and they see things like, you know, God cares, um, uh, God is compassionate. Um, and so they think, oh, well, if God experiences emotion, then God changes. But it, I think the Bible is very clear. Uh, scripture says that that he is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that's important for us to remember, because if God changes, then he's not dependable. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean. Scott, you and I have known one another a very long time. I know your character, and so I know that I can count on you. Um, but it's still possible that Scott could have a bad day. And even though 99% of the time Scott would come through for me, he just on this day couldn't. Same thing with me. I mean, I, I try to think of myself as a pretty good dude, but I mean, there's just going to be days where I'm having a bad day and you're going to call me or ask me something, and I'm just not going to be able to put up with it. But <laughs> the, the Lord says... Um, you know, he doesn't change. And that's, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't need a God that's, you know, good 99% of the time. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't want to reach out to him on a bad day, but this is a God that's, that's good all the time. Um, the other thing that's, too, yeah, go ahead. And I was asking a follow-up question because, I mean, obviously our world is full of changes. You bring that up, like we have bad days, but I mean, this world, this earth, this broken, fallen world, if you will, uh, mm has its bad days as well. And it's, it's very much a change agent, if you will. And I mean, you yourself pastor in Houston and uh, there was a natural disaster that came through hurricane, you know, Harvey it, it decimated y'all's property, your buildings, uh, your neighborhoods, homes, people's lives, people lost their life. It was a terrible tragedy. Uh, so even in the midst of that much change, I mean, what you're saying is really important that you can depend and call upon a God who's like, well, it's a bad day. I'm going to, ignore that call. You know, I just don't feel like having a conversation right now. I don't feel like helping. So, I mean, talk a little bit through that, how you depended upon a God who was unchanging in the midst of one of the most chaotic uh, mm. circumstances you could find yourself in Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. So uh, Hurricane Harvey, 51 inches of rain fell in the Houston area, so much so that geologists literally said that the earth's crust was indented by the weight of the water. I mean, it was... Wow. Uh, one of the largest natural disasters to ever hit uh, the world and and certainly our our nation. Um, I mentioned that to tell you, you know, I mean, tons and tons of homes devastated. 
Um, I don't remember the the percentage offhand now, but it was something like one out of every eight homes in Houston was affected by the flood. It was just bananas. And when something like that happens, if you don't think that God is reliable, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Because, man, so many people were in need, so much need for food, for clothing, for just basic necessities to be able to come together. And um, we were able to stand confidently, uh, not only to help meet physical needs, but then to counsel people, to meet spiritual needs, um, to meet emotional needs. And we were able to do that because we were confident that the character of God had not changed. Uh And I mean, when everybody's looking around going, man, why would something like this happen for you to be able to say, well, our God is still good. And the Bible says that, and you can count on him. That was a message that people needed in that moment. So yeah, I, I think that's pretty huge. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that helps us with our faith of really who God is, is that's not just some being, uh, but defining God a little bit in a way of through his revelation to us and knowing these things about God makes it different because now it affects us on a on a personal level. It's one thing to have this conversation. It's all theological and it's up there. But, you know, this is very practical when crisis hits, when change happens, when things beyond our control, which is really almost all of life, if you will. Here's a God who is in control, who's sovereign, who is uh, unchanging in his nature. Even though we may change, he is unchanging in his nature. And that gives us something to depend upon. I mean, there's other questions that go with that implications as far as like, why is there evil? Why is there suffering if this right. God is a good God? And that's probably a long topic at a, at a different time. But uh, speak a little bit to this tension we live in between changing and, and and suffering and stuff, but also this God who is unchanging, but that we can depend on. Why can we depend on his goodness in the midst of all this stuff happening? Yeah, I think the number one character of God that we count on is his love. Hmm. And love depends on freedom. You know, if 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 I'm not free to love my wife, then it's not really love. You know, it's compulsion. Yeah. Um, and I think that God freely loves us and God wants us to freely love him. And so by necessity for freedom to be available, then the world has to have the ability to go off the rails. Yeah. And that's that's the danger zone that we sit in. And um, so I think that the problem of evil is really the problem of freedom. Mm. You know, uh, but then the upside of freedom is then the gift of love. Mm. And I think anybody who has ever fully received love and anyone who has ever had the opportunity to be in a loving, a true loving relationship, you know, familial, marriage, parenting, friendship, then once you've had a relationship like that, where you are known and cared for, you you can begin to imagine the character of God. And the picture that the Bible gives us of God is one who freely loves and loves so radically and so generously that it really, you know, is almost stupefying. So I think that um, whenever we're we're dealing with a world that is rapidly changing, for us to be able to hold on to the fact that no matter what happens, um, I have a God who loves me and wants to hold me fast. Um, That, I think, is the the biggest and best message that the Christian faith can present to the world today. Yeah, that's really powerful. And, uh, you know, one of the attributes that we give God or one of his uh, maybe adjectives we'd use to describe him is omniscient. And mm. uh, what what does that phrase mean? And, and even with what we're talking about, why is that so important that God is omniscient? Mm, yeah. You know, I think omniscient uh, means that God knows all of the ways that humanity is 
prone to reject him. And, and if we move from the general down to the specific, all the ways that Steve is going to reject God and disappoint God. And yet um, the promise of a God who is unchanging and continues to extend love. I mean, like if I knew right now, all the ways that my children are going to anger me and betray me between now and the day that I die, I probably would just get angry. Um, But um, the, the fact is, is that God knows all of those eventualities and he's still choosing to be in a constant state of love and to receive us. And man, that, that is such great news. That is such great news. No, it's it's powerful too. And then one of those other omnis is omnipresent, Mm. uh, his omnipresence. Explain what that is. And also connected with his omniscient, why this is, why this is so important to know this about God. Yeah. I think that the omnipresence piece is that, um, the way that in the ancient world, most people thought about gods was that you could only access their presence in specific holy places. So like the temple, and you had to go to certain places to offer sacrifices. And if you couldn't do that, then, you know, God, the gods might hear you, but probably not. And you could anger them. And the psalmist is clear that there is nowhere that we can go to flee from God, but that also means that there's nowhere we can be that God could not hear us. Um, The great message of Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, is that the Spirit of God is poured out on all people, meaning that once you've placed your faith in God, the, the presence of God fills you, and He's with you everywhere you go. And so it doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter if you're on a mountaintop, if you're in a submarine. It doesn't matter if you're in the International Space Station. Um, wherever you are, God can hear you. And I mean, if I've got a God then that that knows the ways I'm going to reject him mm-hmm. and he still chooses to love me. And I've got a God that um, is able to see me anytime that I betray him, but then continues to be accessible. Um, mm-hmm. That tells me that that truly is a loving God. And that's that's incredible. Yeah, I think a lot of us, when we're asked this question, who is God, a lot of us struggle with with God, because we think, man, like even if someone tells us we don't feel it, that mm-hmm. like when I screw up, when I mess up, like, and we all know how dark we can be in our hearts and our minds with our actions and humanity itself, but there's no way God is with me in those moments that like God is holy. He He's perfect. He can't be around me, can't be near me. And here we have this idea, though, that omnipresent. Well, no, God is with us in the middle of all this stuff. Yeah. In Harvey, in Harvey, uh, earthquakes, sin, like yes. He doesn't abandon us, even though this world may abandon us, or even though this world may be broken. And there's a lot of abuse and brokenness and all these things that are part of this freedom that you describe. But yeah, here is this loving God that says no, but it's not the absence of those things that's going to prove that that I'm loving. It's that I'm with you always and don't forsake you that proves that i'm loving and that's a powerful statement that really to be honest with you there's not really another religion or a set of beliefs that's out there that really quite captures that right there uh which really separates a little bit you know this idea of this the god of the bible yahweh than um other things yeah absolutely this idea that god knows everything sees everything continues to never abandon us continues to faithfully love us man and and that he wants to be in our presence and wants us in his presence. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, um, 
I love my family, but sometimes I don't want to be with them. But, uh, you know, I mean, God is like yeah. never tires of us, always wants to be with us. Whenever we would choose to be with him, then he's he's gracious and excited to be with us. That's just such an incredible, incredible picture. Yeah. And I think lastly, we'll close with this because this question, even who is God, I think a lot of people, especially those raised in the church, were raised uh, to not even ask that question or to not ask mm. questions like, you know, why God, why did this earthquake happen? Or why does, um, my, my kid have a terminal illness or why does, uh, mm. you know, my wife have cancer or, or mm. why did they treat me this way? Why did this person, you know, behave towards me this way? Or why did this terribly traumatic, tragic thing happen? And that we don't have the ability to question God or the ability to ask God those questions. What would you say to that? I think that's led to a lot of uh, unhealth and a lot of uh, people even leaving the church and and leaving yeah. quote unquote God, even though that's kind of impossible since He's omnipresent. But yeah. why why is it important to actually ask these questions and to seek and and what does God do with these questions and how does God view us? Yeah, you know, Scott, one of my favorite things about you as a pastor is that you welcome questions. And that's one of the things that I try to do as well. Um, I think that church ought to be a space where questioning is welcomed rather than some rather than simple blind um, fellowship. I mean, yeah. there's a part of faith where you don't always understand, but yeah. God is not afraid of our questions. And I mean, yeah. man, go go read the Psalms. I mean, man, <laughs> David was like, you know high one minute, low the next. I mean, he's like yeah. crying on his couch, can't sleep, don't want to eat. Then he's like, man, I'm dancing. I'm so excited. But I mean, you talk about, I mean, he's saying, where are you, God? Why have you forsaken me, God? Why do you mm -hmm. let these evil people have this? And I also think too, the Bible is like, man, it doesn't, it is so clear eyed. It does not flinch about talking about evil in the world. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's like, man, yeah, it rains on the just and the unjust. Yeah. yeah, the Bible is just open about the fact that we're all going to suffer. And I actually appreciate that because, um, you know, a lot of religions, the idea is like, well, you know, if I go and I sacrifice or I give the money or I go to worship services, then good things will happen to me. And if something bad happens to me, then I have to like go, oh, well, I must have done something to upset God and I have to try to figure that out. Whereas what Christianity says is, no, everybody on the planet is going to walk through tragedy, like yeah. it's cancer, famine disease, it's going to hit every single person. The question is, is will you have the God of the universe with you when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death? And that's the great promise of Christianity, that God wants to be with you if you'll choose to let him be with you in those moments. Yeah, no, that's powerful. And uh, it's it's the good news. And so that's one of the reasons we're doing this uh, this Faith Essentials podcast is for us to understand what's really essential to the faith, to, to get all of that stuff that's out there that really doesn't need to be there that's we can talk about and we can think about and there's nothing wrong with that but a lot of times we add things to our faith that not necessarily god didn't even add and so we're trying to get to the essentials of what do we really believe and so i appreciate you joining us today and uh thank you so much steve for for being with us and uh and also for those that are wanting to to read more about this in the show notes or in the uh if you're on youtube in the comment section there's actually a, a print a digital pdf that you can download to give us to give you guys something to even read for further study and for further questions and as all 
always, you can submit your questions to us uh, through the email in the show notes or in the comments section here on the YouTube channel. We welcome those questions and we'll try to respond to everybody to uh, to get those questions uh, answered. And if I don't know the answer, I'll just forward you to, to Dr. Steve Besner and he'll, he'll answer it for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Scott, this is fun, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Talk to you later. You All right, bye.